Life Her Podcast. Her is me, her is you. Her is us, her is she, her is we. United we stand, baby, that her for keeps. I'm coming and I demand my space. I know it's free. I owe myself the world. They tried to count me out. I've been down some dark roads. They tried to pound me out. From cloudy to sunny, ain't think that I would make it out. I needed positive emotions to fill me out. Hey, ladies, this is Life Her Podcast where we uplift and inspire women all over the world. It's nothing like having a peace of mind, yet having someone to talk to and know that you can relate to their stories. Today, we have Greta Lax here with us. Hi, Greta. Hi. How are you? I'm great. That's really good. It's nice to meet you. That's very, very nice to meet you as well, finally. (laughs) I know. It's been over social media and through Tammy. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been going back and forth. Um, I would like to know, what are you doing now, like today? What is your career? Um, I work at the University of Akron, uh, where I run a grant-funded center. Um, So our center focuses on, uh, it's kind of around the the health professions, so any health-related professions where we both try to recruit a more diverse population of students into careers in healthcare where we work with current health professions students, both to support students from what the grant calls medically underserved backgrounds and populations, um, as well as to help um, our students, faculty, and our community better understand the needs of medically underserved populations. And then we do a little bit of continuing education. So it's kind of all over the place. Oh, wow. So each day is never quite like the last or the next yeah because you have a wide range also yeah of different things so what are what um what did you major in <laughs> so um, my undergraduate was in psychology okay and nobody had to talk with me um before I went and got an undergraduate degree in psychology that I couldn't do anything with um eventually I got out and I worked for a while went back and got a master's in industrial organizational psychology so uh-huh. um but my goal, uh, and I came here and I worked on my doctorate, which I'm ABD. Okay. Um, but um, my goal with that was always to take it back to nonprofits and nonprofit settings mm-hmm. um, based on kind of some of my experience and the time period where, you know, where I was learning about those things. It just seemed like those might be some really useful skills to come back to some of the nonprofits that I volunteered with and worked alongside. That they might be helpful down the road. Yes, it actually is very helpful because I know maybe a lot of our listeners, you know, they don't know anything about that and they would like to know more information. So I'm sure they will be in contact with you after (laughs) hearing this. So um, how did you get into your major? Like what made you think like, okay, I'm going to go to college for this? Um, so I actually spent my senior year in high school as an exchange student. Mm-hmm. So where I came from was a very, very small town, and I was just ready to get out. <laughs> my, I feel like everything I did all through high school was building up my, kind of building up my resume, building up my experiences so I could get out. Okay. <laughs> um, and my the fastest way to do that was to spend a year as an exchange student because okay. uh, my senior year. So I did that. <laughs> uh, I lived in Brazil for a year. So Ooh, I cool. it was, was Brazil. That? Brazil is an amazing country. Just and 
amazing people. It was um, a very, very challenging, but very, very positive experience. Um, nice. I learned so much from that year. Um, so I had to think about college from there. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I, I've always kind of naturally gravitated towards people, working with people. Mm -hmm. um, but then because of that experience, I also kind of had an interest in international business, but I ended up going the psychology route. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was just kind of a natural interest that came, you know, I think my parents had some of the same inclinations, um, mm -hmm. you know, not that they didn't go to school and, and finish those things, but they did some of the same things early on, you know, volunteering and, and working in the community and doing things like that. So I think it kind of grew, you know, kind of both things I inherited as well as things that I just developed kind of on my own interests That's in people. Nice. So speaking of your parents, how was your childhood? How was it like growing up? Oh my gosh. Um, so I grew up in a teeny little town on the northern border of Wisconsin called Land Lakes. And it is not the place where the butter comes from. Everybody thinks that first. No. <laughs> I think that one's in Minnesota, but um, so less than a thousand people. Wow. Well, less than a thousand people. And so everyone knew everybody. Yeah. 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 Um, and it was primarily tourist area. Um, tourist mm -hmm. and logging are the main industries. So. Um, So yeah, so I came from a very, very sheltered experience. Mm -hmm. We got one good channel on our television, maybe two on a good day if the weather was really good. Really? <laughs> yeah, so a lot of like those pop culture references and stuff from back then. Mm -hmm. I, I never, I don't get it. <laughs> I didn't oh, get it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Until things were in reruns and then you know, time to go back and catch all of that. So, and, you know, radio stations, all of that stuff was really limited. So we didn't realize until much later how very, very sheltered um, we mm. were. And with both the benefits and the, and the challenges that that, that creates. My, um, my dad was a stonemason. Oh. And my mom um, babysat kids at home so she could be home with us mm -hmm. for most of the time that we were growing up. We were something I didn't realize until much later when I started doing uh, kind of anti-poverty work. I didn't realize that I grew up in poverty. Oh, okay. <clears throat> um, when my parents, when we had pancakes for dinner, I really just thought it was because my parents were being cool. <laughs> oh. This is like my cool parents who got pancakes today. Because right? who doesn't want, you know, pancakes and syrup for dinner? Um, but uh, our, my graduating class for high school, uh, the entire class was less than 100, and that was for our whole county. Wow. So it was a very, very, again, very small area, very um, limited. Um, so you living in a small town, did you guys have to experience, like, I noticed sometimes in movies and stuff, people in small towns, you, you got, like, a small crime there, or people being nosy in other people's business oh or gosh, so like much. things happening like how was it living in a small town dealing with everyone in that community with it being like that um but like everything else there's the good and the bad right and you're right everybody knew everybody's business yeah <laughs> um 
and as I got older, that got to be a little bit more challenging. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but there was also some great support, you know, knowing the the couple of girlfriends that I had that were my age, and you know, their parents really knew us. You know, my parents really knew them, so we. Um, it, it was hard to find a stranger in town, you know, except for all the tourists in the summer mm-hmm. and uh, actually in the winter too, because we just don't have, we're so far north that snow sports and everything mm-hmm. are a big deal. But um, so there is the benefit of some of that community, um, but there is also some really unhealthy aspects. Um, you know, my, my dad was an alcoholic and um, had some drug issues. He was a Vietnam vet. He's one of those guys that just never quite came back all the way. Right. You know? Um, And people people loved my dad. They always Mm -hmm. said he would, you know, give you the shirt off his back. You know, he would. But he wasn't really there for us in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have a very different experience of of him than the people around me did. Mm -hmm. So when my parents got divorced in high school, it was a really big, it was kind of a big deal. You know, how come... How come you're not with your dad? How come you're not talking to your dad? How mm-hmm. come you're so that point about you know kind of everybody being in your business was... in a small town? Oh, yeah, that was yeah. So did you did everyone like make comments and stuff from your dad mm-hmm. drinking and everything? How did you deal with that? Even though you know what you being in school and you know some kids are cruel. It you know it was more the other way. It was more that he was friends with a lot of their parents Mm -hmm. so it wasn't negative comments about him it was positive comments about him and not understanding why I didn't have a relationship with him oh so they flipped it yeah wow yeah I know that was tough especially with when you were born in the house with him you actually lived with him so you know sometimes people don't see who that person is outside of the home and then someone on outside looking in and just going off what they say it's like you defenseless it's like you can't do nothing because they just already their their mind is made up they believe what he says (laughs) and that's that Oh, absolutely. So you had to struggle with that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which probably contributed to my decision to get out of town sooner. <laughs> right. Um, but that certainly wasn't the only reason. I really just was um, always motivated to build up those experiences so I could get out and get to the next thing. Mm-hmm. But, but I, yeah, I am sure that that was part of my desire to get out and, and get away and um, and do something different. So, if I was to ask you to be transparent, um, what was some of the bad experiences you did experience with your dad being like that? And then I'm sure your mom dealt with some things too. Yeah, I mean that that whole dynamic. Um, so, my dad with me when I was living at home was never physically abusive. Um, but very verbally abusive. Um, I could never do anything. I could never be good enough. Um, if I got an A minus, it wasn't good enough. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, never having that um, that kind of support. He was never present at the things I was involved in or the things that I did. He would always promise to show up and end up at the bar instead. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was um so but that you just kind of I guess you just kind of get used to over time um and my mom so much of her life was keeping our lives together mm-hmm. you know taking yeah. care of us that right no, exactly always do that. so I really didn't get to and I guess most people don't get to know their moms until much later, you know, mm-hmm. later in life until you're an adult. Um, but I think it was even more so in this case. I didn't even really get to know my mom because she spent so much of her time just mm-hmm. making sure we had a roof over our heads and food on the table and that we were, you know, taken care of. She yeah. um, And she did. Wow. So was that even... Do you consider that as being motivating to you of seeing your mother's strength for you guys to keep going and everything? Um, I don't know that I truly appreciated it enough at the time. You know, as a young Mm -hmm. kid, to me, it was just kind of this, I always felt disconnected from everything. Obviously, I was disconnected from my dad, but I also kind of felt disconnected from my mom um, because so much of her energy went into Um, just keeping everything going. Um, so it wasn't, you know, it really wasn't until much later, I I think Mm -hmm. that I, that I really appreciated all of that. I mean, I knew it and I appreciated the things that they did on top of this, you know, even while this was happening, my dad was a little league coach in town. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he was um, just known in the town for everyone to love him anyways. Well, and my mom ran the concession stand, you know, that did the things to try and make sure that um so that we could you know continue to support those things in our community the record local recreation association and things like that and mm-hmm. i just um remember helping out you know selling stuff for the concession stand and all our little local little league mm-hmm. <laughs> games and the um the adult games and things like that so um so I had some really good experiences and, and did learn some really um, positive things from, from them that way that okay. I think carried over. Wow. So did it affect you as for your adulthood? Like, you know, sometimes when you deal with things and you don't have that bonding relationship with your dad, it affects us as women. Oh, yes. When we date men, when we get older, and then sometimes we find ourselves finding a man that acts just like him too so it's like it's like a a back and forth thing either we skeptical or we find someone that acts just like him or it's just like different ways which way have you been going as far as your dating life or anything when i was really young it was about being the fixer right okay i I had a tendency to find nice guys but a lot of times guys that that I felt from my perspective needed help and, you know, I wanted to help and support them. And And did you find yourself helping and then next thing you know, they don't appreciate it. Oh gosh, right. No, who wants that? (laughs) (laughs) Who wants somebody to be a fixer and come in and like try to. And and I've noticed that it's like when you fix broken people, they act like you didn't do absolutely nothing well, as far right. as helping them. They didn't ask to be fixed. They didn't, right? right? That's, that's something true. that I walked into it with. Yeah. Not necessarily that they did. So, um, And I think it also left me with, um, you know, I, I, I believe early on that sense of acceptance we get from our family carries through. And without having that, you know, especially from my dad, I did from I, my um 
thankfully from my you know grandparents and my uncles and and stuff so but but still not having that kind of strong acceptance from that father mm-hmm. did change I guess I I felt the different stages um especially when I was younger I was really seeking that acceptance from um from men mm-hmm. and from relationships yeah I know that was difficult too so do you have children now uh, I do not. You do I not? Do not. No, was I... that by choice or? Early in my life it was by choice. Later in my life it was just um, that I found out that I was not able to. So Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Was that heartbreaking to you? Did you battle that for a long time? You know, I really, I didn't in the sense that, you know, my... Um, My, my partner and I for the last 10 years he has a daughter um, and so while we had been you know looking into you know potentially having a child together mm-hmm. um, we always had her and um, and while it wasn't like a storybook mm-hmm. you know uh, family relationship by by any means like, I don't I don't think a lot of them are mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I didn't have time to worry about that or to, you know, to feel sorry for myself or, mm-hmm. um, it just kind of was, um, and so I think for the most part I was really pretty much able to accept that and, and really take my energy and put it back out into the, in the world in different ways. Mm-hmm. Do you, have you ever found yourself being affected when people say, you know, some people don't understand, like, asking someone, why you don't have kids yet? What are you waiting on? <laughs> Time is flying by. Like, does that sometimes irritate you or oh, bother you? I remember, um, so I was married before. So I married and divorced. And um, my my ex-husband, I remember his, like, his sister's. Uh, sisters-in-law before we were even married are like when are you guys having kids when are you doing this when are you doing that yeah. and I'm like no I want to go on a, I want to keep going to school I want to do like it just wasn't my plan but that wasn't most of the people um you know in the family had had kids you know younger and things like that so I never mm-hmm. quite fit that mold so I guess it yeah. wasn't um I was accustomed to not fitting in that way yeah, well, I personally, I I deal with that question a lot because yeah. I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, what you waiting on? You should be having kids soon. And they make these comments, but like a lot of people don't know, I have, I have a difficult time with that. Yep. You know, it's like maybe you shouldn't ask that question because it's a reason sometimes. Absolutely. You know, you never know how that person is feeling. And then with that small question it it just bring up open wounds and everything to a point like it makes you feel bad especially if you do want it Mm -hmm. but it's like now I'm going through a process of trying to and see what I can do and Mm -hmm. testing and everything so that's what made me ask you that like how are you how did you deal with it for so long you know I think I was life kept me more than busy yeah. enough um, yeah. uh, 
of opportunities and challenges and stuff going on that it especially helping people so Mm -hmm. you help people a lot too so it's like a um I don't know for me personally it's like a healing Mm -hmm. like oh I just made them so happy so yeah I'm good (laughs) as long as they're happy I'm good so sometimes we just you get immune to that lifestyle to a point where you just want to keep going and keep helping and keep making other people happy and that's what makes you happy So that's how you feel as far well, as Well, and you. I think, too, I'm at a different now that I'm in my mid-40s and stuff. People just don't ask those questions anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they ask if you do have kids, and if you say no, they're pretty much really yeah, like, up okay. at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so I think I got away from a lot of that that way, both because for always being in school. Mm-hmm. I was in school forever. Um, people don't ask that question when you're in school mm-hmm. <laughs> as much. Um so and you I have think nieces and nephews too? I do. I do. Um, I have, um, so I have a brother who is two years younger than me and he has two kids and he's a nephew who I'm very close with and absolutely adore. And I have um, two godsons. So um, my best friend back home, her two sons are my godsons mm-hmm. and they're both uh, high school age. Um, and I have uh, two stepbrothers that have kids, and their kids are, are older too. Everybody's out of high school now and mm-hmm. are done with. That has to be fun too. You probably stuff, like so. the cool auntie, godmom, all that. Aren't you? Um, <laughs> probably for my brother's kids and um, my my godkids. I'm not. They're they're high school boys now. Yeah. So right, you go through that stage. They're in the you old know, world, <laughs> or you know, early on in their life, I was the kissing lady because I was always chasing them to give them, you know, smooches on their cheeks, uh-huh. and, and they would, you know, you know, jump on and and you know, attack me, and everything's all cutesy when they're little, mm-hmm. and then suddenly they're they're these, you know, growing up mm-hmm. and becoming their own people, and it's it's. Hard to see some from so far away since they're all back in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully, that is one thing I get to do is spend, you know, at least a couple weeks uh, a year at home. So I do get to spend some time with them. And Nice. So as far as you going into psychology, what made you do that? What made you choose that major? I don't, I, it just felt like a natural inclination to me. You know, I just, I was always interested in human behavior Mm-hmm. why we do the things that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, business sounded too boring for me. It sounded very practical and very boring to me. <laughs> yeah. um, so it really was just the, the people aspect of it and my fascination with, with people and behavior. And That's good. What created you to be so loving and wanting to help people? I Again, I think part of it was probably genetic. Part of it probably came from my parents, because mm-hmm. uh, seemed like know, they, they had really, a lot of yeah. involvement in the community. Yeah, it really did. And and my story, you know, stories that I hear about my dad, even when he was younger, he wanted to be a child psychologist. He wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, do all these things, and they'd take in stray kids and stray pets, and mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think some of it's. Um, Kind of, it's kind of that nature and nurture thing, right? Probably, mm-hmm. I think I have it from from both sides, and then and then part of that's just my curiosity. My curiosity lies generally in people, so even mm-hmm. in the work I do, that's more at organization levels and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's that's it's the mix between the two, how people in organizations work. 
So even so all at different levels. So what's the um, status of your parents today? Um, my father passed away. Um, he actually died of cancer related to his exposure to Agent Orange in the Vietnam War. Oh, wow. So, um, and that was while I was here in Ohio. So my brother was back home and was able to, he, he, dad lived with him for a little while while he could, but my, my brother had little kids and so he mm-hmm. couldn't keep them there the whole time because his friends and drugs and drink and stuff were still coming into the house. So, but trying to manage a lot of my dad's care through the VA Mm-hmm. in Wisconsin while I was here was just oh it was a huge challenge I'm kind of going back and forth um he, as he by the time he was uh, he was diagnosed it was cancer it was lung cancer caused by agent mm-hmm. orange so by the time he was diagnosed it was already stage four and there wasn't a whole lot of hope wow. but you know they he was diagnosed and they gave him a great big paper bag full of bags of pills and told him to drive from one VA hospital to another and didn't have anything set up for him so um you know trying to make sure that he got to where he was supposed to be going because mm-hmm. I just got the call saying you know he's on his way wow. <laughs> to to the next to VA medical center and trying to make sure that they had housing and a place for him to stay because he was outpatient and he, mm-hmm. well, he didn't live there so um you know working out the the dom there so he had a place to to at least stay while he was getting um, his initial treatments and stuff, and then eventually, and you move back up north closer to my brother, and was at the VA center up there. And, um, he actually passed away just two days before Christmas um, that year. But, um, and I was a full-time grad student at a time, so in a way, I was able to leave early and spend, you know, those last couple weeks there um, with my brother and with him. How how did you feel when you did that? Was it did you find peace? Yeah, I think I kind of have like all the way along I'd been working on finding that that peace with him, you know, getting past obviously when I was younger I was very angry about yeah. the whole thing and um but eventually you know um I came to like, I hope, you know, we all come to recognize that our parents are flawed human beings, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what his were. And, you know, still holding him responsible for not making better decisions and reaching out and getting support and, and getting better. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, recognizing he he had a lot of demons. Mm-hmm. Um, and and thankfully, tell him what he saw. Yeah, exactly. During that time. Uh, my uncle, he he did the same thing, yeah. and I noticed he used, he stayed with my grandparents like in the basement. Mm-hmm. So it was like sometimes he'd say something, and I'd be like, "Huh?" Yeah. And you'd be like, "What? Where did that come from?" Yeah. And as then he couldn't sleep at night. It was like he slept during the day. It's just certain things, and it is really sad. And then he have. Like you said, bags of pills. Oh my God, yeah, like so many, and they're huge and huge bottles. Mm-hmm. Like they're really big and and big horse pills too. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, wow, it's like just for him to go to sleep, yeah. you know, and or for him not to think about the things he went through. And those pills could be addictive too. And all the stuff that he was on was, um, well, at that time he just. 
part of the reason it was such a challenge and why I was trying so hard to be involved from here, which, you know, across state lines is really, um, you know, I went back when I could help manage because he just cognitively, you know, his brain just wasn't there, mm -hmm. you know, after so many years of, you know, abuse and things like that. And much less having to deal with that on his own, you know, alone, mm -hmm. <laughs> trying to under the, for the very healthiest people understanding what our doctors are saying to us when we walk out of there, yeah. much less um, after getting a stage four cancer diagnosis and all of the other challenges that he had being handed a bag of pills and say, hey, drive yourself to Milwaukee and mm. go see a doctor there. Um, wow. So just kind of understanding the challenges that he was through. And, and my brother and I have got a really good relationship. I'm really, That's really good. fortunate. Um, so for the two of us to be able to do... Um, kind of go through all of that together, which was, um, and to be on the same page, you know, I know a lot of times in family that's, yes. you know, a, there can be a lot of friction and oh we were God. just, we were very, very fortunate. My brother and I were very much on the same page, kind of looked at everything uh, in a lot of the same ways while our experiences, um, with our father were different, um, You know, we, we were coming from the same place in terms of caring for him and doing the best that we could. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, what about your mom? Um, my mom, she actually remarried. Um, so, they got divorced when I was in high school. And while I was, she, uh, I actually came back early from my exchange student mm -hmm. period so that I could be there for both my graduation and her wedding. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, so she and my stepdad have been married for, uh, since 91. Um, and, you know, I think she seems to be doing really well. She went, um, while we were in high school, she went, actually I might have even been before that, but she went to work at the bank locally. So she was mm -hmm. the one that was always helping out the little ladies with their, <laughs> little old ladies work out their checking accounts or, you know, when somebody's spouse passed away, helping them work through everything, mm -hmm. the things that they'd never done before. That was always my... Uh, my mom in her office, you know, sitting down with those folks, helping people out. And um, she's retired now and home and just very grateful for the the relationship that we have. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. So in today's society, we have women that go through things and battle things, yet we have women that feel as though they heal or try to work every day you know, just try to make it. You know, everybody <laughs> wake up like, okay, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do that today. What is some form of advice that you could give to another woman? My personal experience has never been like a straight path, right? I was never that kid that I knew at this age that this is what I wanted to be when I grew up this is what I wanted you know, to do and all the things I was going to do to take care of myself and the steps to get there. I've, I've never had that path. Mm -hmm. um, it's always been, you know, I take, you know, a major step this direction, go to school for this and then think, hmm, I want to do something different next and <laughs> take, take a side branch and then take another side branch. And, mm -hmm. and along the way, I remember having this discussion. Um, it was after I'd finished my um, undergraduate degree in psychology, and I was working um, with a woman who was probably 15 years older than me at the time. Um, she 
had a, a kind of an episode where her dad was really sick. And they were kind of going back and dealing with some of the stuff from, like, early life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I, you know, an adult woman and suddenly I'm dealing with stuff that happened from when I was my childhood? And I think mm-hmm. in those conversations with her, I just realized that whatever stuff has happened to me along the way, I realized that I deal with it in different ways at different stages of my life, and I mm-hmm. process it. So whatever happened to me when I was young, you know, in high school I processed it, and then I got to a point in college where I kind of had to reprocess it from everything that I'd learned and experienced and how my perspective had changed. And then after I got married, you know, there was a stage where I kind of went back and reprocessed You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's a on... For me, at least, it's been ongoing and kind of that willingness and that openness to be able to give yourself the space Mm -hmm. and make it okay um, to revisit those things. Like, it it doesn't have, you know, you don't want to get into a place where you're, you know, reliving it all so much that you can't get out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but to recognize that, you know, every day we learn new things, right? We experience yes. new things. And it's um, it's okay to give ourselves the space to, like, kind of reassess and kind mm-hmm. of figure out where we are now with that stuff that happened with us along the way and, and how it contributed to who we are today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great example because, you know, a lot of us, don't know how to shake it yeah and so just knowing that you have to have control mentally to a point you can't let it affect you emotionally and physically well and and opening up like all the tools in the toolbox right so if that means seeing a counselor talking to a friend talking Mm -hmm. to you know another trusted person maybe you've got a pastor that you trust or Mm -hmm. just I feel like many of us feel like we have to do it ourselves and take care of it ourselves and be that, you know, be the caretaker, the nurturer for everybody else as well as, you know, we don't have time to deal with ourselves. But to to take that time and make that effort to, to reach out for to fill the needs that we have so that we mm-hmm. can be, um, the more centered we can be, the better we can do and all the other things that we want to do in our lives. Right. Um, so I feel like, that's that's part of it is reaching out for help when you need it mm-hmm. <laughs> well thank you for tuning in i really appreciate you coming out and sit with me at the podcast i know something different for you <laughs> so i really really appreciate it a lot and i hope to see you at the event i'm really so. looking forward to it <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Life Her Podcast, where we help heal women all over the world. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Life Her Podcast, and check out our YouTube page as well. And make sure you subscribe. You can also look onto our website and you can purchase merchandise and listen to the podcast episodes. I am Yvette Lloyd. I am Life Her. Love yourself, ladies. Take care of yourself and others you love dearly. Stay tuned for the next session, don't make it be your last